Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef, and this is a Cali BBQ production. Today is game day, November 7th. We're recording on November 7th, just before the Chargers take on the Raiders on Thursday night football. And we have a very special guest from the other side of the United States that has trekked his way all the way across <laughs> recording podcast this guy has the number one restaurant podcast that is available he's been doing it for four years he has published over 670 episodes we recorded an episode yesterday i believe i was guest number 675 and um, today we have Eric Cacciatore. Welcome to uh, Digital you. Hospitality. Thank you for having me here, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to, to dive into the story. So out of the 670 restaurant owners, chefs, people that are stakeholders in restaurants, have you ever been invited to record in a restaurant's media slash garage converted space? No. No? So this <laughs> is, is the first? That is the first time. Okay, that is good. the first time. We like, we like being firsts. <laughs> so yeah, even though, um, for those of you that listen to the show, even though we're located uh, in East County, San Diego, about 15 miles from downtown San Diego from Gaslamp, obviously we're all in on digital. And one of the cool things about audio and learning is that you can learn something passively. So while I'm driving, I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, I heard your podcast with Howard Solomon. Mm. Uh, Sol Howard and Deborah, they were both on, on, on digital hospitality and you did a phenomenal job Thank learning you. about his background. Thank and by learning about his background, I was able to learn about who they were. And that's really one of the coolest things that I've found about podcasting. Tell me why. Why, what exactly? Why did you start podcasting? Why did I start? So um, I discovered podcasting way back in 2012. And uh, after about six months of waiting for my podcast to be created, waiting for somebody to create the podcast, I was... Who was, was going to create it? Well, I didn't know. I mean, you know, like... <laughs> it was in your head, but you... Like, well, you discover podcasting. The first thing you isn't, like, usually through your mind is, isn't like, I need to start my own podcast like, right now. Like, you can push on them and then you're like, oh, like, this is great. And... And then you're like, where's this one podcast that I'm looking for? Why doesn't it exist? Will somebody hurry up already and, and like think of this? And then it's just like, well, why don't I just do it? You know, yeah. that was kind of like the, the how it came to surface is, you know, there was just so many people out there sharing knowledge. So, I mean, the, the big story, I can give you the, the full story if you want. I want to. the full I, story. The full story. Okay. Absolutely. I'm so used to giving the, the abbreviated story. Well, so. you know, long form podcasts. Yeah. We, we want to we want to know the real shit. The, so the, the, the shit. real story. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that I resigned from aviation. I was a commercial pilot, went back to school for marketing and hospitality. And when I was in school, in my classes uh, for marketing and hospitality, one of my first uh, classes with a particular uh, instructor, David Mazer, um, it was a sales class. He walked into the classroom and he says, who here is like, listens to podcasts and uh, not a single first person. Day. I can curse on this word. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the first day of class, so he walks into night class. He walks in. Uh, the first thing he says to the class is who here listens to podcasts. Nobody raised their hand. He walked out of the classroom and I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like him already. Yeah. Like you, uh, you, you this is like 2012. So you, um, night class, you know, like in the, the like school, 
like doors, like classroom doors will have like, they're like a wooden door usually. And there's like a little like glass yeah. slit with like the, the metal frame mm -hmm. that you can see him through that little crack window. Right. And he looks left, he looks right. And he screams, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This Fantastic. Is, yeah. And then he comes back and he was making this point, right? He comes back in and he's like, you have such a, an incredible opportunity at your fingertips. Uh, there literally anything you want to learn is like a click away. Your homework assignment is to go home and to listen to, uh, or to, to research three topics of your choice and then come back and find one podcast under each topic and then present it to the classroom. And um, the, the three topics I, re I looked into were hospitality, uh, marketing, and entrepreneurism. And uh, nothing for hospitality at all. All the, the marketing and entrepreneurial podcasts you could think of, but sure. nothing for hospitality. Um, so anyway, um, that was kind of my first hint right there is like that this, that the hospitality industry hadn't quite caught up yet, mm -hmm. but that's kind of like the, the, like the story, the hospitality industry is always like, if you look at that, that bell curve, right They're they're always at like the, the trailing edge of the bell curve. Like they're way at the, we're, the, we're late adopters in this industry typically. So it made sense that nobody was doing a solid restaurant podcast in 2012. So, and that's kind of like the, so it was in that class that the birth of well, fuck, I need to do a podcast then. Yeah. Well, basically what, so we started listening to all these, these podcasts, right. Of people, entrepreneurs, marketers, uh, people in the tech industries, just pouring their souls out, pouring their hearts out, uh, sharing all their knowledge, sharing their, their life stories. And like saying like, this is literally exactly how I did it. Uh, this is what you need to know. Like here are the special skills you need. And it blew my mind that, um, in the second largest industry behind healthcare, the rest of the hospitality industry, we're not sharing knowledge like this massive industry uh, employs so many people. Why aren't we this generous with our knowledge? Why aren't we supporting each other? Like these other tech industries are supporting each other. Like, like that's really what I wanted to do is I wanted to recreate what had already been created for other industries, but for the restaurant industry. And I believe that, um, well, my dream was always to open a restaurant, right? But oh, really? I, mean, I can go even further back. Oh, yeah. No, I want to know. I want to know. So, yeah. Hospitality is in people's blood. And whether you're doing it on the media side or whether you actually do it for a living or whether you want to do it, like, yeah. that, that, that's important. Yeah. So my, People my, are compelled to, this, to yeah. this cause. So my parents opened a restaurant, and I grew up in the industry. So that's kind of how I got into the restaurant industry. They had it from a time how I was old were you? Th three to 13 is when they owned the restaurant. It was a solid 10-year run. Uh, we were very busy. But I think my parents, a combination of bad luck, uh, they we were going to relocate up the street onto like a like a really busy intersection, and the uh, the woman that owned that property who had a restaurant there for like forty years before we were going to purchase it from her, uh, passed away the morning that we were going to sign papers to to relocate our restaurant. So when you're you know when you're living paycheck to paycheck when you're just getting by as a, a small business owner, you can't take three weeks to find a new space. Like you mm -hmm. got you need cash flow to come in. So that was kind of like the nail in the coffin. My, my mom was, she, she had been done for years. You know, mm -hmm. that wasn't her vision. It wasn't her dream. It was my dad's thing. So after that experience, they're like, all right, we're done. Um, but I continued to have the passion for the, the industry and I continued to dream and, you know, want to open my own place sometime, continue to work in restaurants, uh, while I went to school, become a commercial pilot and then continue to work in restaurants after I graduated to, you know, supplement my income because pilots don't make a ton of money mm -hmm. getting started 20,000, 25,000. And year, what happened lucky. with the pilot career? So basically, um, I just decided that it wasn't for me. Uh, after eight years of my life, you know, hustling and, and working hard, uh, I just realized that you know this isn't this isn't my my path. This isn't the lane I'm supposed to be on. More or less, none of my natural like strengths shone through as mm -hmm. a commercial pilot. I'm, I consider I consider myself to be. Who did you fly for? 
I flew for Commute Air. Okay. Yeah, which is a which is a United Express. We operate under United Express. So how many passengers? Fifty passenger uh, turboprop. How many? Eight. Fifty passenger. Fifty passenger. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. a lot of people you're responsible for. Yeah, um, it was only there for like four years or four four months. Um, I kind of told myself that if it doesn't get better, like if I don't enjoy it more, if like the clouds don't part and the rays don't shine through, and if I don't hear angels singing, like when I get to this level, mm-hmm. then like I'm not, I'm not going to continue with it. Uh, I kind of knew early on that it wasn't like that. I didn't love it, but I was afraid to quit, mm-hmm. which I think is a really important lesson that it's okay to quit sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like you, you want to, you want to ride it out. You want to, you want to be successful. But if you, if everything inside you is saying like, this doesn't feel right, it's okay to be a quitter. If you're spending $200,000 on your career, you yeah. know, like it's, a, you don't want to come out the other end in that kind of debt. So like that, this is one example where it's okay to quit if it doesn't feel right. So I, that's like, I wish I, so had when you did, when you did quit, what compelled you to get into that hospitality class? Well, I mean, basically it was, it was all, I, I found myself looking forward to my part-time jobs. Like after, you know, f- working my full-time jobs, my part-time jobs were in the hospitality industry. And I found myself looking forward to it. Like, I just, I want to like, I can't wait for the weekend so I can go hang out with the people I enjoy to be around and do the, the, the work I love to do. So that was a sign. And I was making just about as much money in hospitality as I was as a commercial pilot at this time. Cause it takes a lot of time to get to the mm-hmm. point where you make decent money as a pilot. So I was like, it's a lateral move. Um, yeah, I see that there's a long-term investment, but I'd rather be poor and happy than poor and miserable, you yeah. know? So, um, that was kind of the reason why I want to get into hospitality. But at the same time, I knew that I couldn't work in the industry because I was 200 over $200,000 in debt mm-hmm. from becoming a commercial pilot. So a lot of debt. Yeah, so I'm not going to pay that back serving table. I mean, I could, but it would take me a really long time. Sure. So I thought if I can't work in restaurants, I at least want to work with restaurant people because that's what I really love about this industry is the people that are in it. The most authentic, genuine, take me as I am, you know, I got your back, fun people, you know, like let's like people we're a good time. Yeah. Like we are a good time in this industry and I love the camaraderie of this industry. And that's what draws me to it. And plus I love, I love serving other people. I like, I like making people happy. And like I've always, the cookie for me has always been a smile on somebody's face. You know, like that's the reward. That's the treat. It's like being like approved of, you know, uh, I think we all secretly want to be approved Absolutely. of deep down inside. So like that was the draw for me, but, um, I lost the train of thought. What was the original? <laughs> so the, the, the draw, the draw is what, what compelled you to take that hospitality class. But then it was the teacher yeah. that you know sparked the idea. Well, originally I went back to school for marketing, but then yeah. I was convinced to also take classes in hospitality because they're like, this is clearly what your passion is. Like they could tell that. So that- did you want to become a manager, or you just wanted the extra education? You just knew that education would lead you somewhere else. Honestly, the truth is that like the truth. it was cheaper to go back to school part time, defer my school loans, than it was to pay off my school well, there loans. There you go. Yeah that was the real reason why I went back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could go back part time. I think like six credits is all you need to defer your school loans. And at a community college, six credits a semester isn't a lot of money. It's like a thousand, maybe 2000 bucks a semester. Not mm-hmm. bad. Uh, it's manageable. It's a lot more manageable than a thousand, eleven hundred dollars a month, sure. which is what I was paying. So that was the big reason why I went back. And then when you went back, what, your teacher inspires you. He puts the idea in your head. And, you know, yesterday when we were talking, you were asking me, you know, mantras that I live by and things that have always resonated with me is, is to stay curious. It's something that my grandfather taught me, but it's not just the staying curious, it's getting involved. 
So a lot of people hear a good idea or know that, Hey, maybe that that's something I've always wanted to do, but they don't take that next step. Mm. Like that, that action step where you actually make a logo, you come up with the name of your podcast. Well, I think that's, that's the power of podcasting, right? right? The only reason why I was able to guster up the, uh, the, uh, the will to do that, the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, not the bravery, not the bravery, but the, you know what I mean? Like the, the sure. I mean the, the inspiration. Yeah. It, like it was because it, I was it listening. It, you can't just hear it. It's something else has to happen. Yeah. The gusto, whatever word, you know, like the, the reason why I was able to, to, to take that jump off the cliff was because I was surrounding myself with literally hundreds of people, uh, uh in a year of people who've done it. You know, I must've listened to I, I, so many hours worth of podcasts of people sharing how they, anyone exactly in particular, the podcasts I listened to were Entrepreneur on Fire was probably one of the first ones I got hooked John on. John Lee Dumas. He was at like episode 30 when wow. I started listening. So this is like going. He's like thousands. Yeah. So like it was just when he like he was getting started. Uh, Pat Flynn, Smart Pat Passive Flynn. Income. Pat Flynn, was, San Diego podcaster. Yep. Yeah, yep. He's incredible. Yep. So he was a big influence on me. Uh, at that time, I was listening to Michael Hyatt, uh, which was a little too spiritual for me, to be yeah. honest. But it was good content. It was good advice. And I think the other big one at that time was the the Kick Ass Life podcast, mm-hmm. Michael T. Wood. Okay. Um, and then uh, now some of the newer podcasts I started listening to. What I was listening to, like somewhat back then too, is um, uh, the Art of Charm, which okay. is a, a really great one. Which is now the Jordan Harbinger show. He went off and did his own show now, and uh, the School of Greatness are probably the ones that I was listening to. So a lot, that's just th- those lineups, those people that are are getting on this show are, are just totally inspirational, totally yeah. motivational. So when you hear that people, you hear the lows of the lows that these people went to, you know, like sleeping on their, like, you know, sleeping on couches or being homeless and like literally having nothing to like becoming successful, not overnight, but like they, they, they pulled it off eventually, but with hard work and just showing up like that's, that, that motivates you. That, that gives you the encouragement. That was the word sure. I was looking for just to take the leap. And the, the, the number one piece of advice all the time was just start just start. It doesn't, it can be the shittiest thing you've ever done, but the next time you do it, it's going to be a little less shittier. Then it's going to be a little less shittier and a little, but once you start, like you, like you have something, you have something to compare it to, you know, and you can improve Stop as you thinking go. and start failing it's, and just do, just like do it. The, the failure is what people are terrified. Yeah. Of. My mantra is ain't nothing to it, but to do it. There like you, you go. just go, just yeah. do it and just keep showing up. And what was the first thing that you did to get your podcast launched? The first thing I did? Yeah. Well, you got to, you know, there's all the things you have to do. Like you have to have a host, uh, a media host like Libsyn. You have to have a website. Well, you don't have to actually. Why do you you have to wait before you go back? I know why you need to have a media host, but why, why, why should you have a media host? It takes up a lot of data. Like a lot of, it makes your, if you're hosting all that, that uh, media on your website, it's going to slow your website down. Like I'm sure there's other reasons, but that's the one that, sticks out in my mind and yeah. it distributes, right? Oh yeah. And plus that's where all the media players are pulling from. Correct. Yeah. So multiple media players, essentially you're creating audio content and you want it to be in as many places as possible. Mm-hmm. Those services like Libsyn exactly. and, and Burberry, they do that for you at yep. a low cost. Yep. Yep. So that so, you're on Apple iTunes, mm-hmm. you're on Podcatcher, you're yeah. on Stitcher, all those. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that they all pull from Libsyn. Exactly. Now, did you have your, did you use their website or did you have your own? I use my own. You, why did you do that? 
Um, well, I mean, you want a home base. You want a place. I mean, the whole idea of having a podcast is to redirect people back to something that you own. Yes. Uh, so whether it's selling an, uh, a product that you've created or you're just building an email list or you're building a community or um, you're linking back to affiliate links or whatever, like you want like you want your own space because it's like the whole like Facebook's huge today. Right. But it could go away tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Same thing with TikTok or look at Snapchat. Like yeah. not as, nearly as big of a deal as it was three years ago. Right. So you want to put, you want to invest in yourself and your own assets because you can't depend on other assets. Were you at all concerned that you don't have an IT background? Yeah. You know, honestly, um, I think my, my biggest Achilles heel is the technology side of things. Like I'm not a technical person. That's one of the reasons why I got out of the aviation industry because I'm just, I'm not technical. Honestly, like I think we talked about it during our recording. I'm, I'm dyslexic. I'm colorblind. I have horrible ADHD. I, I should have never became a commercial pilot, right? Mm -hmm. you, did you beat all odds? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I made it as far as I did. And I really, I, I'm a, I'm an avid believer that you have to, you have to reveal your strengths. You have to lean into your strengths sometimes to, to, to also reveal your strength, your, your, sorry, you have to lean into your weaknesses, mm -hmm. uh, and to reveal your strengths sometimes. And it was my strength of being sociable, uh, caring for others, being, uh, socially, just emotionally intelligent, uh, that allowed me to develop relationships. And I think I got pushed through the system. I, people wanted to see me become successful because they liked me and I was their friend. Like that we're going to make sure I got through. You know, so like that's what that that's what got me at, to the point of becoming a, a commercial pilot, flying fifty passengers around, because I was likable. So imagine what I could do if I put myself into a path where it it pays even more to be likable, like yeah. where where like it's all about caring for other people and being empathetic and serving like service to others. Like that's the hospitality industry, that's sales, that's marketing, it's understanding people. You know, so that's kind of what was going through my mind. So. Well, I, uh, first of all, I, I appreciate you sharing your vulnerabilities. That's one of the things that has always been consistent for, for me and my, and my co-host before it was, you know, behind the smoke, how this whole podcast started before it became digital hospitality was exactly that there's, it's the failures that we all learn that we know that it's not easy. You know, none of this stuff is easy. And for me yesterday, you shared your dyslexia and that was very powerful. And I told you, you need to share that more because I'm sure there's other people out there. Um, you know, when I went to my emails today, I got an email from Cal Fussman. Cal Fussman started his podcast because of Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss had him on. He used to write for Esquire. The guys interviewed the most famous people in the world and just does a phenomenal job. Incredible storyteller. Um, he shared, he just had uh, Charles Schwab on his podcast and Charles Schwab talked about his dyslexia. Um, well, the truth, like it's amazing how many successful people out there are dyslexic and we, we don't do well in, in traditional settings, uh, school settings, uh, where there's standardized, like standardized, te standardized testing, things of this nature. But I, I, th I think that I don't, I honestly don't have numbers to back this up, but I wouldn't be surprised if, people who have dyslexia are more or score higher than average in other verticals like emotional and social intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, but those things aren't really that important. I mean, they're, they're great with you know, having friends in high school and elementary school is important and then you can, that's a good thing to have, but you don't get graded on that, yeah. you know? So like all these, these things they, they emerge later on in life. Like you might not be able to do the thing, but you know, the person who can do the thing and they like you, you know what I'm saying? Because you because you're socially intelligent and you, you can read, 
read people and you know, like you just understand how to make other people happy. And when you can serve other people, you know, like you, you create this community around you and it always comes back around some way, somehow. So as I'm, I'm sorry for my ignorance on, on dyslexia, but were you diagnosed? Was this so, early on that you, yeah. Um, so I, like, I, I think they knew when I was young and like, I was always like they, your parents or your teachers, schools. Like schools. something's not right with this one, you know, yeah. like he's, he should have figured this <laughs> well, out. You don't fit now. in the normal box, but yeah. that does, I mean, we'd, um, so basically, I mean like little things like colorblindness, like I would color like the, the lake purple, mm-hmm. you know, like what's wrong with that? looks good to me. You know, did you think like, it was blue? Yeah. So like, I just like, like shades and stuff mm-hmm. like that would just like, I just wouldn't be able to tell the difference between different colors. And then know? dyslexia, you weren't able to so read totally the words. Yeah. yeah. So I was just slow to, to learn how to, I mean, it took me a long time to learn my ABCs, how to read. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was until probably like middle school where I could like, even in middle school, I'll get like anxiety. Even to this day, reading intros for my podcast, yeah, I get anxiety if somebody has a hard last name. Sure, I just, I just learned to like. I just tell people now. Like yeah. when I was a commercial pilot, like I was, I fucking buried that shit because mm-hmm. if anybody found out as a commercial pilot, like my career was over. I'm a liability. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I was never one to let somebody tell me I couldn't do something, which is why I just continue to go for it and try it. But anyway, I am getting on a sidetrack. Um, but. I think the original question was technology. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm curious about it because like I said, I really appreciate you sharing something that's so personal. And so, because that's the power of the podcast is that somebody listening, they might have that. And you are one of the 1% of new media podcasters that actually earns a living podcasting. I mean, we're going to put a link in the show notes about this article. This guy did an incredible job breaking down the statistics of podcasting, but there's over 500,000 podcasts and 1% of those podcasters are actually earning income from the podcast. Yeah. So you've created a business for yourself. You're doing what all these people aspire to do and you're doing it despite your dyslexia. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm leaning into my strengths. Um, when we think of an audio podcast, I don't need to, I, I have a direct channel from like my heart to like my mouth, you know, like I can just talk and I, I can, I feel like I'm really good at communicating and connecting with other people. All you gotta do is plug in the mic and hit record and just be human, you know, and that's yes. where I excel. So for me, it was a natural transition. It felt right. Um, so, I mean, that helped and you know, like I was leading into my strengths. Um, I, there is that, that element of the show notes page and having to like publish things. But the truth is like with a, a show notes page is, is meant to be short and sweet. It's yeah. not meant to be, uh, I mean, you can, you know, you can put the, um, oh, what's it called when you, the, the word for so what, what, just for, <laughs> for those that don't know, why does a podcaster include show notes so into an episode? You, well, you want to call the action. You want to redirect people back to your website and you want to, you want to summarize the conversation. So if you mention a book or a tool or a service, um, you can link to it. And if they have an affiliate uh, program, then you can earn a, you know, you can earn cash that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is you want people, maybe they don't want to commit to the episode right away. So if you summarize what you discuss in the episode, maybe that might be a reason for them to hit play so they can get an abbreviated version of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, am I missing anything? Is there something that you want me to? No, no, that's yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to lay out so people understand yeah. the many moving parts that but it's, that we've had to learn yeah. along the way, but it's minimal though. It's, yeah, it's, it's not minimal. a lot of work. It's, Correct. You know, it's a, it's a one paragraph intro or, mm-hmm. and then it's like a, like a, bullet points of uh the conversation so you sure. can, it's not like 
I mean, I would have horrible grammar and people would call me out for it all the time. But that then at this point, who's called life, you out before? I just like listeners like that, not in, like a negative way. Like, Hey man, like just so you know, like I caught this typo, like, mm-hmm. you know, I love the show, but they send it as an email or they send it they'll, on Twitter send me or, an email or like a tweet mm-hmm. or, um, I've had like just grammatically are, or fixing somebody's like, you know, like actual grammatically, non- like knowledge. grammatic, like, or just like little stuff like that. Or just, I just don't pick up. I'm like the thing, like I don't pick up on little details. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I just the, like the way, I, the way I see it, it's just a blob, mm-hmm. you know? And like, like what might be obviously glaring obvious to you. And like your first gut instinct is going to be this, this mofo doesn't care. Like he just yeah. is throwing shit out there. Like, does he not care about his work? And that's like the biggest fear is like, are people going to misinterpret my dyslexia for not giving a fuck? Mm-hmm. Because like, that's the complete opposite of who I am. Yeah. So like, that's like, that was probably the biggest fear, the biggest hurdle I had to get over. But when you're transparent and you just let people know, and they're like, oh, well, that makes sense. And I mm-hmm. think people are starting to come around too and be far more open-minded and, and, and realizing there's different forms of intelligence and that sure. you know, not everybody fits into the, the standardized box. Um, but yeah, you know, so. Well, I mean, you, I, I, it's, it's an incredible testament for you to be you. in new media, publishing digitally with something that you've been dealing with your whole life. Thank and you. You know, that, that's, it, it says a lot. Um, that you had the courage to do that and that you even have the courage to talk about it. So I, I do appreciate you it's digging into it. it <laughs> it's is. relieving, you know? And I told you yesterday, and I, I'll tell you today, I think you should lead with it. I don't mm-hmm. think it's something, it's part of your story, it's who you are, and more people will be drawn to you because you're willing to share that, whether Thank they have it or not. Yeah. Um, because maybe they, maybe they don't. When was the first sponsorship pitch? When did you say, hey, this isn't just my side gig, maybe I can actually make money. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I want to answer it, but I want to, I think I left something out that I think is really important that your listeners might like to hear. Um, the thing that really was like the, the thing that really pushed me off the edge of the cliff to take the, the jump was that, uh, there's there this quote and it's funny cause I, I reference it all the time, but I can never say it verbatim. But the gist is if you make your life about helping other people achieve what they want in life, and if you can help them get what they want in life, then you can get anything you want in life. And that was kind of where I was at when I started, when I decided to start my podcast, like the dream was open a restaurant. I wasn't in the position to do it because of the debt that I was in. Um, but if I made my life about helping about learning uh, the industry and sharing what I was learning with everybody else in the industry and, and making my life about serving other people, um, and making it possible for them to achieve their dreams and their goals, then I knew somehow, some way, like my dreams would come true. So that's where I start. I started where I started taking, focusing on other people and helping other people and that taking the attention off of me and making it about everybody else is what gave me the, the, the courage and like the, the kick in the ass I needed. So it's just a really, it was powerful for me. And I thought maybe your listeners would like to hear that. Well, I was like that restaurant was, unstoppable was the name you chose, right? Yeah. And why did you choose that name? Honestly, I just felt like it was bold, you know, like the whole idea is like how to become unstoppable, like how to make your dreams, like your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Um, and I don't know, it just, it just sounded solid. Um, I wish there was a better origin story of the name. I remember I was in, in, uh, the winery. So I was uh, an assistant winemaker while I was learning and listening all, about all these podcasts. Cause I was learning about wine to become a wine sales rep basically. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of going to be my angle. Um, but anyway, like I was in the cellar one day and it just hit me while I was listening to a podcast 
and I ran outside and I called my professor, the same one that's Oh really? Me. Yeah. Awesome. Like, it's going to be restaurant unstoppable. So you kept in touch with him. Yeah. It was to this day. So um, were you still in the class when you called him to tell him that? Yeah, it was, it was probably still, within six months of when he first told me. So probably from so you the called time him I and discovered, said, I'm launching the podcast. It's going to be called restaurant yeah, unstoppable. Yeah. What did he tell you? I can only remember. You can remember? <laughs> you were too fired up. Yeah, I know I was too fired up, but um, I just felt right. Um, just the idea of like not stopping. I mean, and I think it resonated with the idea that I, I believe that you can like out, out hustle people in this mm-hmm. industry. A lot of it is just being having that uh, the the stamina to, well, to show I, up. I want to talk about stamina because I think one of the things, especially now as podcasts have become more popular and people like me are screaming and telling people, hey, you should start a podcast. Like, It's great to say you should start a podcast to be curious about starting it, but talk about to be a successful podcaster and to have stamina, what has to happen? I mean, what, what you is- You need to like, love it, man. I think that's the big thing. You can't get into it for an immediate return on investment. No, so no. this ROI, well, I'm gonna do it for my marketing efforts. Yeah. That's not why people. That's not why successful podcasters are making money. No, well, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier I'm, I'm in the one percent, whatever yes. the, the statistic is. But you have to keep in mind that, like, I started this thing seven years ago, and I've published two to three episodes a week seven years ago for almost seven years. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm going into my seventh year, 2013. Was seven it? years of podcast, so six full years going into the seventh year. And I think know? I don't know if I shared with you, but Greg Rempe, who does Barbecue Central show, that fucking guy has been doing it for 12 years. Oh yeah. So between <laughs> you and Rempe, you guys are like the veterans of the fucking podcast. But at world. that at that time, you know, the, I I recognize. Don't get me wrong. Like I recognize that nobody was doing this, and that there's a really big industry out there that doesn't have a solution for a podcast. We're talking about internet in real world. estate that has no stake to it. Exactly. You go into I a category the and there's no you know, fucking, like, there's nobody there. Flag. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like I saw that as an opportunity and then I, and I, I only recognize that as an opportunity because all of these su- successful restaurateur or sorry, these successful entrepreneurs are just dumping their heart out, sharing their knowledge. And they say, you know, if, if you're looking for something and you can't find it, that's a clue because mm-hmm. you're not the only person looking for it. Um, if you can be the only one doing it, that's another reason to get into it because you're the first one there. And like, there's a, like the difference between being number one and number two is something that's, it's an absurd number. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about in the dip, uh, but who wrote the dip? Um, uh, Seth Godin wrote this book called the dip and he talks about like the difference between like vanilla and chocolate, vanilla being like, the number one po- most popular ice cream and chocolate. It's like the, the, like there's almost twice as much vanilla ice cream sold. Mm-hmm. Like that difference between number one and number two in most things in life is like a staggering difference. Mm-hmm. So if you can become number one, then if you have, you, you can be like the one, if you can, like there's riches and niches, I think was like the saying that kind of like reeled me in at the time. Mm-hmm. But you were asking me another question. I, I digress. Well, no, I was talking about stamina because oh, I stamina, think like right. people need to understand that podcast. So you call your professor and you say, this is the name. How long from that, till your publish your first episode did it take probably from the time i decided that i was going to do a podcast i actually built the knowledge base and the um just how much uh, investment did you make not a lot um i mean it's how much does it cost to have a website like a couple of dollars a month you mm-hmm. know um the initial investment I mean, a couple of dollars i don't even think they admit how much is the initial investment it's not that much i mean you can get website it just yeah. depends on what you're and trying the to mic what you're I, trying to do in the mic yeah. i was using was um 
a uh, blue Yeti or something like that, or like something stupid. It was like 50 bucks mm -hmm. and it plugged straight into my computer and I was using GarageBand to do my editing. So the biggest expense at the time was basically media host, which was like 12 bucks a month and mm -hmm. then like your website. But what I didn't have was any idea how to build a website or mm -hmm. do a blog. And like, that's what I was kind of a, while working full time and going to school, learning on the side, how to basically start a blog and being somebody who's like technically like, like inefficient. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was, just, it was a slow learning curve for me to, for be, sure. to be honest. Uh, but I just kept learning every day and, and by, you know, by surround, they, they say, I think it's like a, it's an overuse quote or saying, but you're the average of the five people you surround mm -hmm. yourself with. Just listening to those podcasts over and over again, just kept me focused. Yeah. I'm like, this is what you're trying to do. So it was that encouragement. And I, I was able to, to earn a full-time living while le learning because I was listening to these podcasts while I was at work every day in this cellar by myself, listening at podcasts at times two. Yeah. You know, so that's, if you listen to eight hours of podcasts, that's 16 hours of yep. learning from successful people a day. You're, you're working the system, you mm -hmm. know, like you can speed up time. You can learn even faster, you know? Yeah. So like having that just kept me focused. And then how long did it take till you actually turned, thought that this could be a business? I knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. Um, it's, you asked me about sponsors. Yeah. That was the original yeah. question. I think it took me probably three years to get to the point where I could have sponsors. And even then I was totally like selling myself short Yeah, because I didn't quite recognize the, how many episodes had you published once you started pitching sponsors? Probably close to a hundred over a mm -hmm. hundred at least I was doing 50 a year. So one two, a week, I was probably around 150, close to 200 when I first started one a week Two, two, two. to, th I was actually at one point I was doing three a week for like a solid two year, year and a half period. I was doing three a week, three a week. Yeah. Every single week. Yeah. Consistent Jesus. recording, like lining up the guests. That's recording. Insane. I was sending out 10 emails a day and like cold emails, just cold off emails the restaurant like website. One out of every 10 email would get a response. I doubt that's surprising. The, the pendulum has swung, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but this is like restaurant owners back in 2012. Like, Hey, I have a podcast. I'm like, a what? What the fuck are you talking about? Leave me alone. I would argue that restaurant owners <laughs> like, might say that today in yeah, 2019. Yeah, exactly. But imagine how bad it was 10, 10 I could, yeah, I could only imagine. I mean, we had podcasters that would pitch me and of course I'm all in for anybody doing anything yeah. like that. And yeah. But so many people, um, plus I was going after him. I think one of the first people I reached out to was like Danny Meyer, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, like well, this guy seems successful. Like I'll get that. him on the yeah. show. Like, you know, just had no idea. So like, when you were setting these up, you were doing, people could call into the show over Skype. Were you recording or you, were you doing face to face? Uh, actually the first interview I did was face to face. Um, and then the, every interview after that until two years ago, well, until like th three years ago was I started doing uh face to face. Mm -hmm. So for me, do you want me to get into why we're yeah, doing the face to face? Absolutely. So, in the restaurant industry, working with trying to, to book restaurant owners and operators are usually very like technically technology, like they're just not great with technology. So getting them to like download Zoom or Skype on their phone and then to like jump imagine. through all these hoops just to be a guest in the show uh, was stressful. Then if they were able to get on the show and they, if they did agree with it and they did jump through all the hoops of schedule, like use the scheduling app, then download this, this software and then meet me on this day and make sure you have Wi-Fi and make sure you have a headset and like all these things. Um, it was just easier for me just to say, I'll come to your restaurant when you're closed. To tell me when, where, <laughs> and like, you know, and like 
I'll come to you. Yeah. You know, plus the audio quality in these restaurants was crappy. Like the service is always cutting in and out and it was extremely frustrating. You're wasting this person's time mm-hmm. at that point when you have shitty audio quality and you're cutting in and out of service and, yeah. and the Wi-Fi is garbage and there's people in the background and like you can't even owner. hear what they're saying. They want to talk yeah. to them. Yeah. So I knew that if I was going to do this right with good quality that I would have to be on site. You I mean, you see all these tech podcasts where it's a CEO interviewing a CEO of a, and they both have tech companies. Yeah. Like that person's going to be hardwired in, you know, they're going right. to have, they're going to have their own like microphone mm-hmm. and they're probably going to be technically inclined. Yeah. So like that was just a hurdle that I didn't see that I would have to get over to start a podcast with, for this industry, which is probably another reason why there wasn't any good restaurant podcast at the time. Sure. I, I want to talk about yesterday. We talked, we touched about you feeling like you are an imposter. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was talking to my producer Stover who's in Oregon, but he, he's a journalist by trade and, part of being a journalist and part of new media is approaching what old media has to do. And that's go in, not knowing anything and asking for information, Mm. right? Being, being, being vulnerable and, and literally going and saying, you know, Hey, will you give me your time? Yeah. Well, well, I would think what got me over my imposter syndrome, what helped me like clear that hurdle was that you know, I just leaned on transparency. Um, I wasn't pretending to be the restaurant expert. Mm-hmm. I just said, well, here's my avatar. Like, th- like this is who I am. I'm a student of the industry. Truth. I was yes. literally in school as a marketing and hospitality. Student. Are you still a student? I, yeah, I'm, I'm always going to be a student <laughs> Correct. and technically I haven't gotten those degrees yet cause I dropped out. So yeah, I'm still mm-hmm. a student. I'm just waiting to get back in there. Uh, well, no, we're, we're all, <laughs> student. I mean, my, my grand, my grandfather was studying until he was 80. He passed away when but he was 88. You, you he never have, stopped learning. Yeah, you need to have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Like you will not, you, you, you've got to continue to learn. You've got to continue to grow. Um, so yeah, I'm a life student for sure. Um, but I was, I, I said that to when I was reaching out to people, Hey, like my name is Eric Cacciatore. I'm the host of this podcast. Um, my mission with this podcast is to, to learn from the most successful people out there and to share what I'm learning with the rest of the world. And I'm a, I think I would, I would say like, I'm a student, um, who started this podcast and it's, you know, I started to learn from the best. Mm-hmm. And I think by being transparent and using that word student, like, I think people are suckers for students. You well, know, I, like, I wouldn't say we're suckers. I well, think the, I think that the biggest goal that people have—I mean, if you if you got gather information and we don't pass it yeah. on, then what good is that information? That we well, I mean, got? suckers for students. Like, correct. if somebody's here to learn yeah, from correct. you, like we we if it's if it's somebody like, hey, I want to exploit you and like, well, what what, make better, a what money better way can you help someone than to teach them? Exactly. So like, just so being a student and being transparent and not pretending not to have all the answers, but mm-hmm. just being like, I'm here to learn from you. And that's, that's what I would say. Like consider yourself mentor mentee, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I just want to, which is even story. better because people approach those relationships. Well, Hey, let's get, let's get coffee or let's go get yeah. lunch with a busy executive. You're actually offering the executive something totally different. Yeah. You're getting that knowledge. Yes. But you're publishing it on the internet for anyone that has access to the internet to learn from that wisdom. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing I had a mission, I knew the, the power of a mission statement really early on. So people weren't agreeing to, to, you know, to do it for me. Like they were doing it for the mission, which was to inspire empower, and transform the industry because this knowledge should ha- be available to everybody regardless 
of whether or not they have the money to go to culinary school or to go to hospitality school or to, if they don't know the right person to get the job at that restaurant, you know, like we should share knowledge open, I believe openly and, and willingly. Like mm-hmm. that should be our goal is, is to learn as much as possible and then pass it on to the next generation so they can take what we've cut as far as we've gone and, and compound off that. Sure. So, yeah. So for you, how many episodes were you at now? Now? Yeah. Um, recorded. I think your episode 675, 675. Yeah. And before you got out to California, you published a solo episode. Oh yeah. I want to talk about the solo episode okay. because I thought that was, uh, it was important for me as being someone as a podcast host, um, someone that loves podcasts, but also just indicative of back to what we we're talking about before stamina and really, you know, this is what you've done now. What compelled you to publish that episode and what was it about? So it was basically a summary of the past year. Um, I published it because well, in full transparency, I was getting low on content and I didn't want, <laughs> I, I, I had an interview scheduled for the next day, but I was like, if this doesn't go through, like, I don't want to miss my air day. So I was like, I'm going to, you're good. <laughs> Sorry. That's uh, my manager. That no, just that's fine. So turned around. So that's, I, part, that's part of the fun of podcasting in the, in, <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the office. It's casual. Yeah. Um, so I wanted a cushion episode in case I was going to, I was going to air it regardless, but I was, and, it, and honestly, like something I've been wanting to do, like after 650 episodes, being somebody who feels like I'm an imposter, like at some point, like, bro, you've interviewed a shit ton of people. Like, that's, a lot of fuck, that's a lot dude. of fucking, that's a lot of fucking people that you've interviewed. Like it's okay to share your opinions. Like sure. you have an opinion. Now you can form an opinion. You've done the work, share your thoughts. Well, there's um, themes. I, yeah. mean, I mean, there's themes and, that these restaurateurs and owners and chefs exactly that they've, they've shared with you. And I think the other thing is, you know, like it's extremely inefficient to travel all over the country and live out of your Honda fit. You know, like I stay in hotels and Airbnbs now, Mm -hmm. but for the first year, like I was literally sleeping on floors, like of listeners of the show Mm -hmm. like had like, you know, and just whatever it took to get there and get in front of people. I knew it was going to be short term. Um, but back to the original question, like why did I do the solo episode? Because I, I wanted to open up. I wanted to let people know, like, like all they hear is with excitement, allowing me to introduce like, and then that's another episode and that's another, but they don't know that for the past year, like I've been hustling my ass or for the past two years, I basically said like, this is what I do. Like, this is what my life has looked like. This is what I want to do. I feel like I failed in the sense that I was trying to scale the business and bring on other people who are strong where I was weak, being completely transparent about not being great with technology. Mm-hmm. I know that's holding me back. I know that I could be a lot further ahead if, if I was willing or had the desire to to do that technical shit that I just can't stand doing, Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily have to be the person to do it. Like you can surround yourself with other people who are far greater at those things than you are. And that's what I was trying to do over the past year was build a team around me. Mm -hmm. So I recruited people that were of high caliber, um, who are still, we're still great to this day, but like other opportunities came up and they had to take the better opportunities. No grudges. Like I get it, you know, sure. uh, but people like, I don't mind. I, Anna wouldn't mind if I said this, but Anna Tazen of the Texas restaurant association, she's the, she was the VP of, of, of uh, marketing and, and innovation. Uh, like that's her jam. The mm-hmm. shit that I suck at is the shit that she loves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're my, I was like, you're the yin to my yang. I was mm-hmm. like, we can take this thing so much further together, but she had a sure deal. She had a promotion. So she had to lean into that opportunity and she wouldn't have had the bandwidth for 
breasts are unstoppable. So I totally get it. And then living on the road isn't for everybody. So my, my editor and my, my filmographer was like, dude, I can't do what you do. He like, he made it as far as Texas. And then after a week was like, I'm going back to New Hampshire <laughs> and I'm not mad at him either. Cause I sure. get that I'm a freak. You know, I get that. I, I don't like not everybody can do what I do. Like it's, it's, the ability to show up and to, to live like it's my baby. It's like you mm-hmm. do anything for your baby, right? Like mm-hmm. mother would do anything for their baby. So it's, it's not his baby. So I wouldn't expect him to go to the extremes I would go to. So there's no hard feelings there either. And he's still editing for me, you know? Yeah. So I just felt like people needed to get a behind the scenes basically, mm-hmm. you know, that they needed to, to connect with me on a deeper level. They need to know like, this is what I was trying to do. And what I was trying to do was create courses. And we have a whole nother site, right? Uh, Unstoppable courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we launched a course and I felt like it flopped. And, uh, I also didn't like the idea of having to pitch it and sell it so hard because mm-hmm. that's just not inside of me. So it's just like, you don't know until you know, right? So you, you spend a year learning how to like to building a team to, to learning how to launch a course, to, uh, investing in the assets you need to host the courses. And then you, you launch your course and you're like, well, that didn't work. Oh, plus I totaled my car two weeks beforehand. That's not a, good. A week before leaving for a cross country road trip. So like all this stuff was kind of compounding. Um, and I just need to like, I think I just need to have the conversation with myself, but I need to do it out loud, mm-hmm. you know? So like, that's kind of what the episode was. Uh, and plus I, I, I wanted to let them know my, my listeners to know like the pivot and like what I learned from this experience and what I wanted to be going more into the future, kind of focusing on what I do best, which is hosting a restaurant podcast. And yeah, owning your niche, like it's good to diversify, but it doesn't have to happen tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of or believer in do one thing really well and let that one thing that you do attract onto yourself to the people who are better at other things and then collaborate, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am now. Uh, I just want to go deeper. I want to slow down. I want to be more present. I want to uh, unpackage my thoughts after 650 episodes. Like what do I believe to be true? And then use the podcast to get access to people that I wouldn't have had access to six years ago because who's going to get like, you know, now I have an asset. You got to use your assets to attract to leverage, you know, your network and to, to build networks. Right. So I can do that now. So I just need to be more intentional with the podcast mm-hmm. and, um, and lean into my curiosity. I think the other thing is you can only do so many types of the same interview over and over again before you're like, okay, I got to try something different. Yeah. You know, so that probably plays into it too. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. I shared with you just before we started that you had the founder of Zenreach on your podcast and I was on LinkedIn and I follow Zenreach because we use their Wi-Fi email marketing here at Cali. Mm. They sent an update which I saw and it was promoting your podcast, <laughs> which is phenomenal sandwich between our interviews, which is, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal because it's, it's different too. You know, it's because it's a tool that can help restaurants. Mm-hmm. And obviously with our podcast, digital hospitality, it's something that we meet as managers every week It's something that I talk about every day is the tools that we need to be successful in the next decade. Um, what we've had to do as a restaurant for the last decade was literally embrace the internet, embrace digital, do everything we can because of where we're located, um, in San Diego and sharing that information now that we've done it through podcasts and through YouTube, um, is something that is for me is very exciting, I guess. Thank you. I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm sure. Quite, oh no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, well, I've shared it. Yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious as to 
the relationship with the sponsors and the, and especially the tech side of, re- yeah. of the restaurant space. Um, so I don't think I answered your original question of like, like spot, like we kind of got into sponsors yeah. a little, but my, my, so I, one thing that I did early on to protect myself from selling out, uh, and to protect my listeners best interest was to not take on a sponsor unless they've been mentioned first on the show, mm-hmm. um, which made getting sponsors really hard, but I knew it would, but that was something that I could use as a marketing. Like, listen, like I'm not going to put anybody in front of you. I'm not going to use uh, these sponsors, um, unless, like I use that product myself or if somebody else is like recommending it, who's a successful, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like one thing I did every once in a while, if it's a badass product and I've done the research and like, I'm like, well, who are your clients? And they like, well, here's our client list. And I, I recognize people who are, were on the show or our dream guests. I'm like, okay, like you're legitimate. Like I'll break my rule, but like, I don't do it lightly. You know, mm-hmm. I take it very seriously. So my, my, I hate to say that my relationship is kind of transactional, but it is. And it's like the one thing I would, I would disagree. I don't think it's transactional. I think it's less transactional and it's more something that you're vetting them, even though you're not personally used, like we use Zenreach yeah. in our restaurant. And that's something that I told you for us, it's important that we believe in whoever's sponsoring our show because it, it's bigger than a sponsorship. I mean, you're making a commitment to tell the people that are taking the time to listen to you on your podcast or to watch you on YouTube yeah. that, Hey, we're making this recommendation. I don't want to recommend. It's already hard enough to run a fucking business. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to recommend a shitty product yeah. that's going to make it harder to run your business. And you're gonna be careful. I me, mean, you're only as good as your reputation. So if you start just pitching things to the highest bidder, or you start pitching the product of the highest bidder, um, you're not going to make a lot of friends that way, you know. Um, but when I'm what I meant by transactional, like, like there's a sponsorship agreement where like if you sponsor the show, um, you're going to. Um, you know, get a 30 second pre-roll, a 60 second mid-roll, uh, like a copy on the show notes page and your image on the sponsors page or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, that's it. And there's been times where like, Oh, like, Hey, like, would you be willing to do this? Or can we come on the show? I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is the sponsorship agreement. Like I'm not going to like, I, I try to stay unbiased. I, my, my, I, I see my role as a host is, is as somebody who reports, you know, yeah. like I go up there and I, I get the information and I bring it back and it's not up to me to decide what to do. It's up to my guest to, for you to act on my guest recommendations. Now I can go through and curate all the recommendations and put that together, but it's still going to be unbiased. You know what I'm saying? And that's really important to me that I, and like I, I be, I'm pretty open about being kind of against franchising and, and big corporations. I, be, I think you can use those models to grow to a certain point, but there's a certain point where it's just like, there's no way you can continue to do what you do as good as you do it once you reach a certain threshold mm-hmm. of people. Right. And you sh- we shouldn't sacrifice quality over quantity. It's just one of my, one, my values. Like, and that's something I, I, but at the same time, I still interview franchisees and franchisers because we're mostly franchisors because I know we can learn a shit ton from them and I might have those beliefs, but who's to say I'm right. Mm-hmm. You know? So like I need to be open to their perspective. Like maybe they can teach me something I didn't consider. You know what I'm saying? So on your show you end, is it, is it a lightning round? What do you call it? Speed round. Speed round. So you end with yeah. a spe- speed round. We're going to yeah. flip the speed round okay. and we're going to end it with you telling me what are the three things that you've learned after interviewing all these restaurant owners, Man. the three most profound principles that have been imparted on you from people that give their lives to taking care of others in the hospitality space. I mean, profound or like the, or memorable or memorable. 
That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, that's how we like it. You know, one of the things I say a lot on the show is that behind every great restaurant's a great person. So if you want to be a successful restaurant owner, the journey doesn't start with the restaurant. It starts with yourself. And that's probably been one of the biggest lessons is that you're going to, I mean, you're only like, the other thing is like, you can, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. but you're not going to surround yourself with people who are better than you are because like attracts like. So if you want to attract on yourself the best, you need to become the best, not necessarily the best at one thing, like a skill, but you need to be somebody who is good and like appreciates other people. So I guess the the big thing is like one thing is you're only as, you know, your, your restaurant will never be better than you. So if mm-hmm. you want a great restaurant, become a great person. I think that's, that's the lesson. And then you're only as good as the people you attract onto yourself. And, uh, if you think it's a, a one man show, you got another thing coming, uh, in today's world with as competitive as the restaurant industry is, it takes an army. Um, so you've got to attract onto yourself specialists and the people who are better at things that you are and be willing to get out of the way be willing to admit that you aren't the best and to recognize that someone's better at you so you can be better as a whole by letting them do their thing. Right. So is that too kind no, of, that's, that's good. Is that what, or? what technology has been repeated the most by guests? Ooh. What's being recommended the most right yeah. now, as far as technology, Toast POS is probably the most recommended POS on the show, which gets recommended a lot. Um, Jolt gets recommended a What's lot. Jolt? Well, actually, yeah, Jolt gets recommended. Uh, Jolt is a, basically like a like a checklist for the restaurant. Oh, there's again. somebody over here that is obsessed with checklists. Yeah, so it's basically <laughs> it takes the idea of using checklists. Why didn't we create Jolt? Right? That was so stupid. So it's, we should have like, made Jolt. It's an app on a, uh-huh. a tablet that basically uh-huh. allows you to create checklists. and um, You can't run any restaurant without a checklist. Yeah, so it gives you software. So you can like, so if you're sitting, if you're at one restaurant but you want to check up on another restaurant, yep. you can log into the checklist to see what's been accomplished. Sure. And the other thing is sometimes certain checklists or certain items on the checklist, you can't check until after you've taken a photo of it. So it's like ways to like force people to do the job. So it's like little stuff like that. And then you can monitor from a distance, like what's getting done. So it's just a really great tool. It's a, it's a, it's a checklist on steroids. It's like 50 bucks a month, but it's from what I've heard, if you use it well, it's a, it can be, you, you get your return back. Tenfold. So your professor, Eric, what's the first book that you tell your hospitality class what to read? First book. Well, if we're going with the most recommended book on the show, it's Danny Meyer sitting at the table. It's, uh, it's been called the, the, uh, Bible of the hospitality industry. Um, I think a, a book that is more important or if not just as important and more important is, uh, the e-myth, which is all about systems, processes, and procedures. Malcolm Gladwell. Um, no, no. Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yep. E-Myth Revisited. Yep. But Gladwell's another. Yeah. He's he, every one of his books, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, from his, his newest book. Have you uh, talking to strangers? No, that's a really cool one. Really? But, um, I mean, so for like culture and like the restaurant industry, like a, a, a true glimpse into the restaurant industry, same the table for a book on systems, processes and procedures and how to systematize your business, the E-Myth, which stands for the entrepreneurial myth. And then for like, hard on culture, I would say pick up Ari Weinswag's series of books, which is uh, a lapsed anarchist approach to fill in the blank with uh, building a becoming a great leader, building a great business. And the books are written in like a essay form. So like you'll have like a three page like chapter 
that's independent from the rest of the book. So you can pick up the book from anywhere and like read like a three page, four page, like essay. Um, and like, yeah, I think that's probably good. So as somebody with the number one podcast, you obviously know who else is up on top of the charts. Who else do you think has a great restaurant podcast? Restaurant podcast. Um, man, uh, we got to give our boy, um, smart passive in, or sorry, smart pizza marketing. Um, Bruce Irving's doing a great job. Awesome. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah. I've already, I've yep. already started following him on Facebook like, and yeah, for LinkedIn. Uh, marketing and that stuff. He's, he stays really, he's truly passionate about marketing. He stays super plugged in. I think he puts out great content, uh, keys to the, the shop is another one that is worth looking into. Um, and then there's so many out there. I'm afraid I'm going to piss somebody off by not mentioning their podcast. It's all right. Um, Stover will follow secret up. Secret sauce Stover is, is going to follow up with a blog about it, about the restaurant podcast. Uh, I got I feel like I got to say them all. Of them no, you don't need to say them all. Um, well, how can people find you? Uh, if so, the the podcast is probably most listened to on iTunes, but anywhere there's a podcast, Spotify, Google Play, um, Overcast, um, any podcast player. If you search restaurant. I'm usually um, the first or second result. So it's pretty easy to find. Sorry. I'm not trying to brag, but uh, no, that's, that, that's a search engine result. That, that's what <laughs> yeah. we talk about on digital hospitality. So it's on all podcast platforms where you can listen at restaurantunstoppable.com. And what's your preferred social media platform? Uh, right I'm going to say right now. Instagram, Instagram. And, yeah, it's, and it, the it, handle is Eric Cacciatore and that's E R I C C A C C I A T O R E. Perfect. Well, um, I'm grateful that you, First of all, I subscribed to your email newsletter, and then the same day you reached out and said that you were going to be traveling to California and making your way down to Southern California and that we should meet up, and I responded back, and here now, now here you are. <laughs> yeah. um, now we're going to go and enjoy a, a Chargers Raiders watch party, and yes. as you know, we, uh, we built this restaurant, we built this bar. Um, to host big events. And we are a Chargers bar. Um, it's gonna be a crazy party. We're gonna get some behind the scene footage with Blue Vision. Um, these guys have been putting out incredible stuff for our YouTube channel. So make sure you guys uh, subscribe to that Cali BBQ Media and check out Eric's podcast um, if you wanna be unstoppable. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs>